Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. And we welcome you to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. actually thought that that press conference was going to go a little bit longer. had a bunch of different uh, folks that were involved in the governor's press conference today. Uh, Fewer questions as he had some uh, other obligations that he had to take care of starting at 3.30. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We are glad to have you along on this Thursday afternoon. This is the day that the NFL draft begins. You've got that coming up tonight. Virtual draft, I I guess is what we're calling it. Computerized draft, uh, technologically advanced draft. Whatever it is, uh, you got the first round coming up tonight. Question out of the gate, Michael Borky, are you excited about the draft tonight? Man, you have no idea. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I I always love this kind of uh, event anyway. It's kind of my thing. And the last draft for my team went really, really, really well. Uh, If you combine the lottery and the draft itself, uh, it was a pretty special day. So carrying the momentum to my other team from the same city, tonight's going to be awesome. Are you pulling out the uh, the fancy socks? No, because, you know, different team, different colors, all that. I might, though. I mean, it got me Zion, so. Yeah. You can be part of the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Experience healthcare on call with the C Spire Health app. Skip the waiting room. Get treated by a UMMC licensed nurse practitioner. Uh, and actually, right now, the C Spire Health app is uh, working in conjunction with uh, the state of Mississippi and UMMC uh, for testing as a triage center. Download the C Spire Health app. That is the way uh, that you can sign up to get tested for COVID-19 C Spire customer inspired. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. Hey, Dad, are you excited about the draft tonight? I love the draft. I always have. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, to see what happens. You know, the Saints obviously not picking until later on, but to see what happens with Tua has got my, my attention right now. I, I, I'm interested to see, you know, what happens there. And, of course, you know, have to, it'll be a few years before we know anything for sure, but I really feel like if, if the Dolphins pass on him, they're passing on, on a, a future really a great quarterback. Rippy, what would you compare this to if the Dolphins – uh, if the Dolphins choose to not take Tua, what is this comparable to? I, I don't want to be hyperbolic after we saw the last dance on, on Sunday night that this is you know, Portland taking Sam Bowie instead of Michael Jordan. Could it be that big? Uh, I don't know about that big, but I guess – Potentially. I mean, I don't know. All these things are always high risk, high reward. I mean, like I saw a bunch of old tweets today from people killing the Chiefs for trading up to get Mahomes. And so, you know, I don't know. I guess possibly. Borky, do you think there's a comparison there? I mean, is there one that we're watching for to see if it uh, if it makes sense? Yeah, and I, I'm with you. I think this could be that level of a failure, especially if Peter Schrager, who I like, he's my favorite NFL exclusive media guy, I think. I really like him. If his mock draft is correct, 
and the Dolphins trade up to take Justin Herbert, I mean, that could be a decision that they regret for a long time because they're in great position to, I mean, field a really good team for the next few years to come on top of selling all last season that you're going to tank for Tua. He's available. Your team doctors said that he is healthy and you're going to trade up to not take him. If it doesn't go really, really well, people will point to that selection the same way they do with Chicago and Mitch Trubisky right now. And and maybe that's a better recent example, right? Instead of trying to like be crazy and say, oh, this is like uh, Portland taking Sam Bowie instead of Michael Jordan, to use the example I said a second ago, maybe this is Chicago passing on Deshaun Watson and passing on... Whoa, who was the other one? Was it Pat Mahomes, the other one that they passed on? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I saw somebody splice together a video that... Uh, Upon was, further review. ...was perfectly done. I mean, flawless, where the Bears drafted Patrick Mahomes. It's got to be a knife in the gut for those people. Yeah, I would uh, I would certainly think that, uh, that that's still tough for the uh, Bears to swallow that. I mean, really. Ri- it's tough for them to swallow the fact that they don't have Deshaun Watson. Never mind Mahomes for a second. Because Watson was the guy that so many people were talking about. Houston feels great about where they are. Kansas City, yeah, there's some reports out there that Kansas City may may, may pay him $50 million. $50 million. And he might be worth it. And the Bears are trying yeah. to decide whether or not to draft another quarterback. <laughs> Well, they've That's, signed uh, Nick Foles, remember? So they've got the future all figured out. And like I said, the Bears are trying to decide whether or not they need to draft another quarterback. <laughs> the Bears drafting uh, Trubisky is one of the all-time blunders, man. I mean, I, 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 I can't ever wrap my head around what they were thinking that day. That Well, everybody guy, thought it. The draft I, I know, that, that's, Everybody but the Bears. It was just like, what are you doing? But... It's just one of those things. I, I, everybody, there, there are a lot of bad picks in the history of the NFL draft. A lot of, you know, why didn't you take so and so? But that's going to be always up there. When, whenever you see a, 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 a slideshow or a TV show that does, you know, top five draft blunders, Trubisky will always, always be in there. Let me ask you this though about, I mean, Peter Schrager. That the, we'll, we'll look at his mock draft in just a second, Borky. That's the one that you referenced from from NFL.com and Good Morning Football. He's got Miami trading up to get Justin Herbert at number three. Oh, God. He's got Miami trading up to number three so, to get Justin Herbert. So not only taking, not only not taking Tua, but going to give away more assets to get Herbert. Which, God. they've got a bunch of assets. We, we do know that. And why trade up to get him? I guess maybe they're afraid that somebody else is going to, but uh, Who? Well, here, here's the question that I, well, that's a reasonable question, and I've always wondered that. If you you know if you've got the fifth pick at the dra- of the draft, I think I understand doing this. I don't love it, and I would be so. If you decide that one player is your guy, then you've got to do whatever you can to make sure that you can get him. Right, you know Cincinnati's not taking him with, with number one, and you know Washington is not taking him at number two. You don't know what Detroit might do at number three. And do, when do you, you know get Washington's to the slot, not doing that, 
You, do, do you trust? Do, do you know Dan that Snyder? Washington's not taking Justin Herbert? What did we say yesterday about Dan Snyder, man? Anything's possible with that guy. Wait, okay, so you got to take a calculated risk as part of this yeah. as well. But when, you, but let, let's let's say that you truly believe that he's not going at number one and not going at number two, but you're just not sure what Detroit's going to do at number three. When you get to the point where you're not sure what somebody's going to do, if you have decided this is our guy, then you trade to go get him. And I think quarterback's probably the only position that you do that for. So Miami has to, with all of its being, believe Justin Herbert is our guy. So i got two questions about this. One, what if Miami's right? You know, we're all saying, oh, goodness, can you imagine missing on two? Well, what if Miami's right? And two, Justin Herbert, far more mobile, but he kind of reminds you of Dan Marino, doesn't he? Big, strong, big arm, healthy. I know Dan Marino arguably has one of the best arms in the history of the NFL. But Herbert kind of looks that part where Tua looks nothing like that. I know and the, the last really good, consistent quarterback play that Miami has had is Dan Marino. When you say Miami Dolphins quarterback, even today, you say Dan Marino, right? I saw a, uh, a tweet from uh, Nick Delator, who I think covers Miami. Uh, I know he's a, 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 sorry, he covers Florida. But he, he said that uh, the Dolphins are the Browns without shame. That they've had 21 quarterbacks start a game since Dan Marino started in 2000. And you don't ever think about that. But yeah. he's right. I mean, some of the names on here, A.J. Feely, Gus Farratt, John Beck, Cleo Lemon. Who? I don't even know who Cleo Lemon is. Jay Cutler is on here. Brock Oswald. Is Cleo Lemon with incredible. the Jets for a while also? I just said I don't know who he is. I don't know who he I is. I thought that was Kellen Clemens. That's who it was. Cleo Lemon, Kellen Clemens, you know, same consonant set. Quanzo Martin, it's all the same. So I yeah, don't know I mean, who there's Cleo something. Is there's something to this that the Dolphins have just—they've gotten it wrong for two decades at quarterback. I feel like this is an opportunity to get it right, and I feel like they're going to so, get it wrong again. Well, so, so but but do you think that I'm crazy in saying that maybe some of the physical similarities between Dan Marino and Justin Herbert could kind of like make the Dolphins long for days of yore? I, I guess, or is that a stretch? That that's well, I don't know if it's a stretch so much as it's a that's a a bad strategy in my opinion. It's, he reminds me of a guy of our our greatest quarterback ever. I mean, I don't think the Forty ers go into everything saying that guy really reminds me of Montana. You got to find guys who who just are what they are and who are the best players. Who is the yeah. better player, Tua or Justin Herbert? That's an easy question to answer. In fairness, if, if, if healthy, it's an easy question to answer. Right, but do they know something we don't know? Well, I mean, one of them's been able to play. And Tua got hurt late last season, only got hurt two seasons ago in the SEC Championship, and then came back and played in the playoffs. But, I mean, Herbert did play two complete seasons at Oregon. And in fairness, while the Pac-12 is not exactly a football power conference, it is still a major Division One football league where he won right. 12 games last year, completed 67% of his passes, and was 32-6 and touchdown-to-interception ratio. His One of his two losses was to Auburn, objectively very, very good defense, like top 20 defense in college football, was 28-37 of 37 for 242 and a touchdown. 
I, I mean, one more one more thing about the Dolphins, and this is not just to pile onto the Dolphins and making bad decisions. If the Dolphins do this, if they trade up and they take Justin Herbert, and it's possible that this is all a smokescreen and that Peter Schrager's off and all these other drafts are off and they're going to end up with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, in which case we probably all need to tip our caps. But what if they go through with this? What if they take Herbert and they end up with, over the course of 15 years, two of the worst medical evaluations at the quarterback position in the history of the NFL. Then Danny Cannell's dad need to be needs to be fired. Is, is he still the doctor? Is he still then? the team doctor? I have no idea, but if, if he is, whoever his replacement was needs to go too, evidently. And, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, or, or you've forgotten what I'm talking about, it's the decision that Miami made that yeah, Drew Brees, not healthy enough, let's go with Dante Culpepper, while Nick Saban was the head coach, and... It changed not only the direction of the Miami Dolphins, but it changed the future of college football. And Saban said on Dan Patrick's show yesterday that that was exclusively, he kind of threw them under the bus, but rightfully so. He said the team front office wanted Breeze. Medical people told us no. Hmm. Kind of makes you angry still, doesn't it? No, <laughs> not even doesn't, a little. Doesn't make me angry. <laughs> well, not one bit. you. Yeah, not you. <laughs> Uh, Cleo Auburn is fans, from maybe. Do you know that Cleo Lemon is from Greenwood? Well, I did not know that. Mississippi zone. That's according to the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Jeff says, "What if they don't take a quarterback at all in the top ten and they take a tackle instead? As long as they don't trade up for him, that is just fine." Hmm. You say so. Saying there are options out there for them if they don't draft a quarterback in the top five. Yeah, but going back to, to what Haydad said a second ago, given the ineptitude, now I know maybe you're still holding on to the Cam Newton idea that you threw out yesterday. Yeah, I like it. But given the general ineptitude of the quarterback position post-Dan Marino at Miami, not taking one of these two guys in the top five, yeah. Feels like that might be a decision you regret for a really long time. Sports Talk Mississippi, just getting started with you. Take a quick time out and be right back. John Harris will join us in about 15 minutes from the Houston Texans. We'll talk with him about the draft, even though the Texans do not have a first-round pick. So uh, we'll get uh, maybe a little different perspective for him. I'll be interested to see if he thinks there's any shot that the Texans trade into the first round, if there is need for that, if there's a reason to do that. So we'll see. Just got a message on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Tua is headed to Jacksonville. Book it. Borky, that might coincide with the tweet you saw from uh, Adam Schefter just a couple of moments ago. Yeah, Adam Schefter says that uh, Jacksonville and Detroit are in conversations uh, about Jacksonville moving up to number three. Mm. And you know why they're moving up to number three. What was that? Hey, Dad, is that that dog on the text line? Is he? Is he got the tip again? Leroy. Mm, is that who it is? <laughs> um, Richard, you missed it. It was when you were out. So the 
Rob Gronkowski news, and Rippy, of course, was was the uh, Debbie Downer in all of this. A, uh, <laughs> of course, of course, the uh, of course. The, the popular podcast. Pardon my take. One of the the two guys on the show has a twelve year old uh, mastiff, and he created a Twitter account for his dog that breaks news, and he's got like a thirty percent hit rate. Most of the time, he just like makes up stuff. And but two weeks ago, he said Rob Gronkowski's coming back to the NFL. To play for Tampa Bay, the only thing hung up is what the Patriots are going to get for that. And two weeks later, the news breaks that he's going to Tampa Bay. And there was this effort nationwide to get these, um, like, Ian Rappaports of the world to credit this guy's dog for breaking the news, and Adam Schefter is the one that did it. Like, he, he gave him credit, which was funny, but Rippy was like, oh, he just made it up, so... I thought it was the other one that y'all just didn't get it. The name we can't say on air. And you got, like, fooled by that. No. No. Did you guys see Tom Brady's tweet today? Yes. <laughs> Trespassing in parks, breaking and entering, just making myself at home in Tampa Bay. I think he meant to type Tampa Bay. So no, I don't think he did it all. Oh, you think Tampa it was Tampa Bay? Bay? Is the th- Hey, well, he's selling shirts that have that on there. Oh, so, yeah, trademarked oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Jeez. Come I on, tweeted Richard. about it the day, Come the on, day wake that up, the news Richard. break. I tweeted about it. And I, I, I'm not getting any royalties from what I, I can tell. Um, So, you may have heard the story about Tom Brady being cited by police, that the, or at least told by police or a city employee that he couldn't work out in a public park in downtown Tampa because of the city's coronavirus-related stay-at-home orders, but there's more to it, or not more to it than that. There was another issue as well. He was headed to visit with Byron Leftwich, who is the offensive coordinator for Tampa Bay. I can't keep doing that. I'm sorry. It's hard to say. And he went into the wrong house. Didn't knock, just walked right in the front door, and then came face-to-face with the owner of the home and was like, you're not... Byron left, which I'm probably in the wrong place. He's recognizable enough, though, that whoever's home was, that was, they were like, hey, man, no big deal. You want to hang out? Can I get you a beer while you're here? This Maybe event some got green tea? <laughs> this event got Chad Kelly trending today. Oh, no. Everybody's like, was oh, no... but Chad Kelly does it and it's a felony. Mm-hmm. I still have a theory about the Chad Kelly thing and why he was in that house, but I don't know if it's appropriate for air. Most things with Chad Kelly are going to be inappropriate. So, it's Oh, just what the heck? Says. It's just a rumor. I, don't, I mean, this is just completely made up on my part, but it kind of makes sense. I think Chad Kelly uh, was in the right home. I think the husband didn't think that Chad Kelly was supposed to be in the home, if you know what I mean. Ah, I like that. Uh, yeah, see, yeah, that my mm-hmm. guess is somebody came home early. Mm-hmm. But and it got after him with the vacuum cleaner tube. Yeah, that's just my guess. I, I love these quotes. The homeowner in Tampa, uh, David Kramer, told TMZ, I'm sitting here and I see this big shadow come up to my front door and I hear my doorknob turning and I'm like, what the... Like, who's coming in my house? I literally was just sitting here and I watched this tall guy walk in the house. And he goes, how's it going, man? And sarcastically, I'm like, I don't know. You tell me, dude. Like, who are you? And then he looked at me with the most confused face. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. He just goes, am I in the wrong house? I said, 
I think so, but who are you looking for? Where are you supposed to be? And he said, is this Byron's house? (laughs) Tom Brady immediately apologized before darting out the door. Kramer said he froze for several seconds trying to comprehend what had just happened, then rushed back outside to try to get a photo. Brady was already walking into Leftwich's home. Kramer said his home looks similar to that of Byron Leftwich's. It appears the homeowner has no hard feelings. Of course he doesn't. He'll end up Kramer getting went something on to say, out of this. Yeah, he says, people make fun of me because I play the lottery, but somebody has to win the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting tag on the end of it. You think Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods will make fun of Tom Brady in the golf outing for that little episode? Yes. I hope so, anyway. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll go to the Farm Bureau phone line and chat with our good friend John Harris coming up in just a couple of minutes with you on this Thursday at Sports Talk Mississippi. First round of the draft coming up tonight. Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Local agents, local adjusters in all 82 counties in Mississippi, and boy, have they been working overtime lately. That's the reason you go with Mississippi Farm Bureau, because you know you're dealing with somebody local. You're not getting an adjuster from out of state. You're getting somebody that can be on site quickly, when disaster strikes, and uh, they certainly have had to do their fair share of that over the last couple of weeks. John Harris from the Houston Texans. He is the radio sideline analyst as radio in Houston. Uh, just an all-around good dude as well. John, are you, are you excited, even though uh, your Texans are uh, at least, as we sit here right now, going to sit back idly on night number one? Yeah, that that it, you know, I wish we had a pick, but it, it's almost better that we that we don't. To be honest, to, to kind of take a little bit of the pressure off, I could sort of be freewheeling on our draft show, um, not like okay, this is what this means for this pick. I can kind of move that to Friday night, and we've had some experience with this. You know, we did it in 2018 um, when we were actually down two rounds, and then in the third round, we ended up getting Justin Reed, who's one of the better young safeties in the league. We got Martinez Rankin, who had an injury that I think really sort of derailed his time with us. Um, and then we got Jordan Aikens, the tight end from UCF, who contributed a lot the last couple of years. So we were able to, after not picking the first two rounds, step up and do some good things in the third round. But, yeah, I, I, you, know, I, you know I love this stuff. I, I, I love what goes into us. I love the team-building process. I love to kind of figure out what teams have been thinking about these players. Um, to see what you know, whether it jives with what I've thought um, all along, or you know how many smoke screens are actually real, or you know a smoke screen. So uh, it all—that's the thing to me. Why I love tonight. It just sort of all lays it out there right in front of you, and and uh, you can really get a chance. The teams, of course, love all the picks they get, but um, I'm just always curious to see kind of how it all breaks down. And again, tonight, how many SEC players going to first round? Could be a record tonight, which would be kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, do you think there's a scenario where Houston trades into the first round or are you think they're okay with staying out of it tonight? Sure. I think there is. I mean, anything is possible with bill. He knows it. Uh, we know it. City of Houston knows it. Anything's possible. He could look at a player and really fall in love with a player. It's, it's funny. I, I had this, I had this conversation with our former GM, Brian Gaines. I asked him last year heading into the draft. I said, 
I said, Brian, I said, I've been doing this draft stuff for a long, long time. I know you've been a scout. You've worked your way up. Now you're a GM. I said, do you still get draft crushes? You know, players you just absolutely hmm. just love. And he just kind of looked at me, and he, I could tell he wanted to answer the question, well, yeah, of course I do. And he eventually said it. And so after they picked Titus Howard from Alabama State, I saw him, and he said, hey, remember when you asked me about draft crushes? And I said, yeah. He goes, That's, that was all of ours. Everybody in the building just fell in love with the guy. And that's why I ended up making a pick at number 23. And I said, well, did you consider you know, going up in front of a few teams that maybe he wouldn't be there at 23? So, yeah, we definitely considered that because he was a player that we felt like we had to have. But as the draft board kind of laid out, we realized that we were probably going to be in a position to get him, so we stayed right where we were at 23. Now, it's a risk, obviously. Sure. But I think Bill O'Brien's a little bit more, um, if he sees something he wants, i.e. Laramie Tunsil, he's going to go get it. Um, he wanted Laramie, and he decided, I'm going to give the Dolphins something offer they can't refuse, kind of the old Godfather style. I'm going to give them something they can't refuse, and he'll end up with what he wanted, which was Laramie Tunsil. So if there's somebody that he absolutely loves, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I don't think they'll move up to, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15 in that range because they just don't have the ammunition. They don't have a first or a second next year. So I, I could see them moving to 31 or 32, and that wouldn't be as cost prohibitive to do that. But I don't think they would get up into the middle of the first round. So uh, okay. I still think they'll probably try and move down, and if anything, try and get picks for next year. And I know it sounds odd, like, wait a second, got to win this year. But I think they would all feel more comfortable having more picks next year because they don't have a first, they don't have a second. Hopefully next year will be a, a true full draft process uh, and they can feel better about giving the rookies more of a chance of making the roster and, and doing good things for the team because they'll have all of OTAs and all of training, all of OTAs, all of mini camps, all that kind of stuff, whereas this year they may not have it. So they may try and get picks more for 2021, which I'm fine with. City of Houston won't be, but I'll be, I'll be fine with that because <laughs> – I, un- I understand how team building works. Sometimes you don't do everything all at once that everybody wants you to do. You know, it's not Madden. You know, just, does this trade work? Yes. Okay, do it. You know, it's not, <laughs> it doesn't work quite like that. Uh, but I think a lot of fans think that it does in some respects. And, um, and they get angry when it doesn't turn out the way they want. And we found that out over the last probably five to six weeks. John, let me try and throw a bunch of stuff at you in a short amount of time over the next five minutes okay. or so. Uh, no, no drama at number one. We know Joe Burrow's going to Cincinnati. Do you think there's any drama at number two with Washington taking Chase Young? I think the only drama will be if a team feels like they've got to move up to go get a quarterback. If they feel like they've got to go up and get Tua, then I think they might have to go to two because maybe somebody's working with the Lions for number three. Um, that would be the only. That would be the only thing. I mean, Chase Young to me is the best pro prospect in this draft. He should go number two. That's the only drama. But if I'm Washington, I ask for a ransom. Like, oh, you want to come up to number two? <laughs> okay, here's what I want. And then they end up getting a number of picks. Um, because ironically, the one thing Washington probably doesn't need is an edge rusher. It doesn't need an edge rusher. They've got Ryan Kerrigan. They got Montez Sweat. They've got some dudes. But Chase Young just changes the ball game if you add him. So if I'm Washington, I absolutely listen. That's the only thing that moves me off that pick if I'm Washington, if I get blown away by a multiple-year, multiple-first-round pick move. Then I, then I might think about it 
and then I can start thinking about adding to that offense like they need to add like they need to add to that offense. All right, the whole Tua Justin Herbert thing. Schefter t- tweeted just uh, a few minutes ago that um, Detroit was in talks with uh, Jacksonville. Um, that uh, you could have potentially um, Jacksonville moving up to number three. I assume that would be to try and get Tua. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about Miami, uh, m- maybe even trading up to get Justin Herbert. W- what's going on? Why does it seem like Miami likes Justin Herbert more than Tua? Uh, or is that all a smokescreen? It, it could totally be a smokescreen. Uh, now, look, Justin Herbert has his size. He has arm strength. He looks the part. But, Richard, you know as well as I do, if I got to go win one game, I got to go win one game, and I need that guy at quarterback, and I got to pick between two or Herbert, it's a pretty easy decision. I'm going to have two on my team, and I'm going to feel like I've got a chance to go beat anybody, anytime, anywhere. But Justin Herbert looks good on the hook. He makes some throws where you go, whoa. I mean, just brilliant, brilliant throws. I saw it at the Senior Bowl up close. I've seen it on tape numerous times. And then there are times where I'm like, why did he do that? I don't see that often with Tua. Look, he's not perfect. Tua's not, not perfect at all. I mean, national championship game against Clemson, you know, he had that meltdown interception at the beginning and never really got on track. But that's against Clemson, one of the better defenses in the country, and he just didn't have a great day. I've seen Justin Herbert have those days against some of the dregs of the Pac-12 where it's just like, does he have it today? But you see all the ability. It's titillating. Like, you, oh, my God, he's 6'6". He's got a cannon on him. He just threw from the left hash to the right sideline 45 yards on a rope. That's what intrigues teams about Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert's going to be a fine quarterback. Don't get me wrong. But I think his ceiling, I think he's, he's, Josh, he's probably a less risky Josh Allen. Whereas with Tua, I feel like I take Tua and I can go win a game with him against anybody. And Tua might complete six passes, but of those six that day, he might throw the, the best pass all day and go win. I'll give you a great example of that. We went to Tampa last year, and we did not look good all day against Tampa on a Saturday. But on third and six, we had to have a throw. Deshaun Watson make that throw. Tua Tungavailoa will make that throw. I don't think Justin Herbert will make that throw. If Miami outthinks the room on this and either gets passed by or chooses to go a different route, how likely are they to have the two worst quarterback health decisions of the last decade and a half? <laughs> well, I mean, it's ironic that Tua has been compared to Drew Brees. Um, and, you know, when you hear Nick Saban talk about it, it's kind of interesting. And Nick's like, look, don't, don't make the mistake twice. You know, he made that yeah. mistake with Drew back in 06. Don't make that mistake twice. You know, and, and that, that's the thing. When you're drafting a quarterback, and, and Chicago did that. Chicago did that in 2017, Richard. They sat there at number three. They were we got 30 seconds left, John. Quarterback, and they go up to number two, and they take Mitchell Trubisky. It's like, don't overthink this thing. You knew, you knew that Deshaun Watson was going to be a player this league. He had a thought that Patrick Mahomes might do it. Mitchell Trubisky, like, ah, he's a one-year wonder. And that's what it turned out to be. Don't overthink this thing. Two is the guy. Do it. And it's going to look different tonight, but it's uh, it's still a fun night. Round one of the NFL draft begins in two hours and 43 minutes. John, always appreciate your insight. Enjoy the evening and the weekend, my friend. You got it, Richard. Take care, brother.
John Harris from the Houston Texans on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So Todd McShay will not be part of ESPN's draft coverage tonight. He is at home recovering from coronavirus. Bummer deal for him. Um, so you've got ESPN's coverage. So it's it'll be ESPN, ABC, NFL Network in terms of airing the draft tonight. And ESPN's kind of going with their college football crew. So you got Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreet and Desmond Howard and David Pollock and Maria Taylor... And I feel like there's somebody I'm forgetting. Tom Rinaldi, of course, doing... Can he pull off an emotional interview via Skype? Or Zoom? or If anybody can, he can. <laughs> How did you make me cry, Tom? You're not even in the same room with that person. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. Um, is that a good decision? I, I kind of feel like ESPN has so many NFL people. Why is that your draft crew? I... I would much rather, and this is kind of counterproductive because I know NFL people, NFL media people that cover the league do not watch college football. That that has become increasingly clear every day. So maybe it is good to hear some college football analysis when talking about college football players, but I want to hear NFL guys talk about fit and needs for teams and their projection to the next level. I, I don't get that as much from the college people. I want the NFL people talking about what this means okay. for their league, if that makes sense. It, in fairness, I only gave you half of it. Ah. ESPN's college crew will be on ABC. So on ABC, you'll have Reese Davis, Jesse Palmer, Maria Taylor, Kirk Herbstreet, Desmond Howard, David Pollock, and Tom Rinaldi. On ESPN and NFL Network, you will have Trey Wingo, Mel Kuyper Jr., Lewis Riddick, Booger McFarland, uh, and then some of the NFL Network guys as well. Um, move the sticks. Who's that? Uh, Daniel Jeremiah. Um, so you're mixing those two broadcast teams together. I guess Trey Wingo's anchoring the whole thing. No Rich Eisen? Very excited for Booger's analysis of the Saints drafted Patrick Queen. That means he will play for the Saints next year. So Daniel Jeremiah, Kurt Warner, Michael Irvin, Susie Colber, Chris Mortensen, Adam Schefter. Uh, and then ESPN Radio. You got that tonight if you... Uh, whatever. Probably don't care about that. Man, they are rolling a bunch of people out for this coverage tonight. So in addition to those names, ESPN with other stuff, instant reaction, analysis, commentary, video clips, Laura Rutledge, Dan Orlovsky, Marcus Spears, Ryan Clark, Jason Fitz, Mina Kimes, Field Yates, Mike Golick Jr. How are they going to have Foxworth. time to... I don't know. <laughs> Each of you get of a minute, 30 seconds. Good luck. That's on the ESPN app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Be like parliamentary procedure. You, know, you yield your time to the Distinguished gentleman from uh, from Sports Center. Goodness gracious! And then ESPN has its reporters also covering the draft. Uh, Josina Anderson is covering the Vikings, the Redskins, the Browns, and the Niners. Jeff Darlington's got the Dolphins, the Jags, the Bucks, and the Chiefs. Dan Graziano, Sal Palantonio, uh, Mike Reese, Diana Russini, and Ed Werder. 
Jeez. Holy cow. The ratings number is going to be massive, though. Right, so last year's first round did like an 11.2, which, to put that in perspective, if you remember uh, Sunday night, just how many people were talking about the Jordan documentary, how many people watched it. It, it was a thing for, for a few days, and that did 6 million people. Last year's first round almost doubled that, and that Jordan number is fantastic. I mean, three million more people than their second most viewed documentary they've ever done. I'm thinking you're going to approach 15, 16 million people watching the draft tonight, which is absurd. Let's let's look at this first round projection from NFL.com, Peter Schrager. That was Borky's favorite one, so we'll look at that, and we'll pull up some other mock drafts as well. Uh, Tim and Tupelo wants to know if we can get the over-under on how many times Roger Goodell will be virtually booed. They're ruining it, by the way. Ruining what? Uh, the booing Goodell thing. They're starting to own it, which makes it less fun. There's even oh, a cam- the NFL is? Yeah, there's even a campaign and all the teams are participating to where if you use the hashtag, what is it, boo the commish, it, it, what... Like, there's a dollar donated for every hashtag that is used up to $500,000. Like, he's even doing this, the commercials for it that, hey, if you tweet hashtag boo me tonight, uh, money will be donated to charity. It's like, well, that's a great thing, and there oh, will no, be 500000 you because them. they didn't like you. Right, yeah, but you don't own it because now it's, it's not as fun. Like, you can't make a, fun of somebody who makes fun of themselves. It's just not as fun. And now he's taking the boo away from us. It always feels like it's crazy when you start taking a mock draft and you include trades in it. But this is this is what Schrager's got. And I watched him unveil this this morning, and he didn't just – this. he claimed he didn't just sit down and think, oh, this would be interesting. It was, I've made call after call after call, and this is what I think is going to happen tonight based okay. on everyone I've talked to. So Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, number one. Washington, Chase Young, number two. Miami trading up from five to three to get Justin Herbert. Jedrick Willis, the offensive tackle, going to the Giants. Uh, Okuda, the defensive back from uh, Ohio State, going to Detroit at number five. So that would be Detroit, uh, I guess, just swapping picks at three and five with Miami. And still getting their guy. Which, so if that's offered to you and your Detroit, that's a complete no-brainer. Well, and it's not just swap picks. You know they got something else besides just that pick. Oh, yeah. Uh, Chargers taking Tristan Wirfs on the offensive line. Derek Brown out of Auburn going to Carolina at 7. The, the Chargers am... pick would be interesting, right? Because they, they've said they're going to roll with Tyrod Taylor, and that's certainly a decision. But not signing Cam Newton and not drafting a quarterback and rolling with Tyrod Taylor into your new stadium where your second fiddle in that new stadium in a city that doesn't care about you is a really interesting move. I think I hear you saying dumb. Yeah. More as an more alternative like yeah. for interesting. Hey, Dad, are you fascinated to see how Matt Rule kind of puts his stamp on this for Carolina? I am. I am. I'm surprised that. Uh... I mean, he's a defensive guy, but with Brady coming in, you would think maybe early on they would want to get some weapons for, for Teddy Bridgewater. So th- th- this could be a spot to trade back a little bit, too. Where, if, you know, Brown's really, really good, don't get me wrong. But could you trade down a little bit and, and pick up a receiver or something like that? Might, might be something to watch. Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson to Arizona at number eight. 
Atlanta trading up to get C.J. Henderson at nine. Cleveland taking an offensive lineman. I think that probably makes some sense. Andrew Thomas, who just feels like he's going to be a you know decade-plus NFL offensive lineman. Uh, Jets taking an offensive lineman. Vegas going the wide receiver route. The Las Vegas Raiders, C.D. Lamb. First wide receiver taken, C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Rippy, you like that, or would you go the Jerry Judy route? Jerry Judy, without a doubt. I'll be actually interested to see which one's actually taken first. Haven't there been some stories just in the last few days that maybe the uh, bill of health is not 100% with Jerry Judy and because teams haven't been able to do kind of their own due diligence in terms of health that uh, maybe that's hanging on a little bit? I've seen those stories, but I don't know. I, I It's crazy CD how Lamb's much... really good. Yeah, it's, it's always great though, how many injury stories come out you know, three months after anybody's played in a game. Like, yeah. what, what are they getting hurt doing? Or are you telling me they played hurt? They played at that high level hurt? I mean, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk, I guess. Uh, in this mock draft from Peter Schrager at NFL.com, Tampa Bay going the route of offensive linemen, taking Joshua Jones, the tackle. San Francisco trading up from the 31st pick to the 15th pick to get Henry Ruggs out of Alabama. Mm. I don't like that. Him next to Debo. That's ugh. that's not fun. And uh, they get uh, a tight end that they kind of like a little bit as well. Yeah, just a little bit. Good grief. How about those weapons? So you go Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Henry Ruggs? Whew. Don't In like this that one bit. Draft. Say what? Don't like that one bit. Not one little bit. How about this? In this mock draft from Peter Schrager, Jacksonville trading up to 16 to get Tua. Now, we also think that maybe based on what Adam Schefter is reporting, you could have Jacksonville trading up to number three to get Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Sounds like the tank for Trevor concept in Jacksonville doesn't exist right now. Yeah, I tell you what... If Tua Tagovailoa is still on the board at 16, I will be shocked. Shocked. Look at the rest of the first round when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday. How about Jerry Jones saying, leave me alone tonight? Says he does not want to hear from his scouting department during the draft. I saw one comment on Twitter that said he is absolutely not wearing pants during the draft tonight, correct? (laughs) As long as they don't do a live looking. Wonder if he'll take Manziel this time. Are his rights open? I mean, is that I, possible? Any, anything's possible when you're Jerry Jones. I did retweet a video this morning from, speaking of Johnny Manziel, from uh, a live show that an ESPN radio station did in Cleveland. And the camera's focused on the host, and they're, they're both, like, they've got their hands up in the air, and when Goodell announces that they're picking Manziel, they're jumping up and down and going crazy and yelling, and they pan to the crowd, and everybody's losing their minds. Uh, poor Cleveland. Hmm. I thought he'd be good. 
I won't lie. I missed on that one. If he had a different head on his shoulders, he could have been, maybe. In the last decade, so during the 2010s, 2010 through 2019, 30 quarterbacks were taken in the first round. In the 2000s, so 2000 through 2009, 26. In the 1990s, you had 20 first-round quarterbacks. And in the 1980s, you had 18 first-round quarterbacks. So obviously we see the direction that that trend is going. What about with running backs? Going back to the 1980s, 49 first-round running backs. Number dropped pretty significantly in the 90s, down to 34. Leveled off a bit in the 2000s, 32 first-round running backs between 2000 and 2009. And then in the last decade, only 16 first-round running backs taken. You have a first-round running back tonight? You get at least one, won't you? Maybe. Maybe. Don't you think DeAndre Swift's going in the first round? Maybe. I mean, it's it's maybe, you know. I mean, if you look at this mock draft, it's New England making the trade. You know, I I don't know. I don't know if they're going to trade down and get him or not. I mean, I don't know. If J.K. Dobbins? Have not seen a single mock draft that has him in the first. Although, if you want to talk about the running back position and its longevity, understandably so. You don't pick a guy in the first round anymore. But those two, if you can get them in the second or third, talk about value. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. But if you're New England, they don't have a whole lot to give up as far as like actual players go because that offense especially, nobody really wants it. But if Tua starts falling... I mean, if Jay Glazer, for example, just said that he believes Tua is going to fall out of the top ten, if that happens and you're the Patriots, don't you go go get him? I mean, do whatever it takes to go get that kid? It seems like that might make some sense. So we got through 16. We got halfway through the first round. Dallas uh, projected to take Javon Kinlaw, the defensive lineman out of South Carolina. Xavier McKinney at 18 to Miami. I love that. I really like Xavier McKinney. Jalen Johnson going to Vegas at 19. A.J. Terrell, cornerback at uh, 20, going to Jacksonville. Love the pick for Philly at 21. Caleb on Chason out of LSU. He's going to be a star in the NFL, isn't he? You know, I, I want to say yes, but I thought Barkevius Mingo would be a star, and I thought that uh, Arden Key would be, and it, it, sometimes it just doesn't work out, so I don't know. Better NFL career, Caleb on Chase on or Grant Delpit? Oh, that's a good question. So, I would say Delpit if you made me pick. Rippy, you got a thought one way or the other? I'd probably go Delpit. Okay. Justin Jefferson to Minnesota at 22. Be a nice, cheaper replacement for the guy you just lost. 
Baltimore. Who's this at uh, 23 for Baltimore? Patrick Queen, and, and I forgot to, to add a note there. That would be a trade-up. So if I'm sitting in my living room tonight and the 23rd pick is there and Patrick Queen's still on the board and the Ravens trade up in front of New Orleans to take him, I'm going to throw something. Because you are convinced they need a linebacker. It, yeah, him and then to a lesser degree, Kenneth Murray. I, I think... The Saints should – they definitely should not trade up. I don't think there's any reason for them to trade up because one of those two guys would be available right now. And when you look at anybody else that they could select in the first round, uh, position or player, doesn't matter. Every other position except for a linebacker is one that it would be a depth piece. You could get an offensive lineman, probably not starting right away. You've got a sure up front five, really good one. Wide receiver. You now have Mike Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. It would just be for depth at the position. You could get a defensive back. It would just be for depth. The only position that they have right now that they need to draft somebody that can play, likely start immediately, is linebacker because it's Demario Davis who is a superstar and then two guys coming off of season-ending injuries and the other one that got significant playing time last year is in Buffalo now. That's your linebacker spot. You need somebody that you can draft right away that can play and contribute right away. Every other position's for depth. So if you can get one of those two guys, especially Patrick Queen, who would be a plug-and-play right away instant impact guy, at least you would hope so. Of course, it's the draft, so there's variables. But if you can get that guy and you choose to pick a wide receiver, for example, I think it's a mistake. Or you choose to take Jordan Love, even though I think the – They've really cooled on him lately. I haven't heard that name with the Saints in a few weeks, or read it at yeah. least. If you have you, you a think chance, way too cost prohibitive to go up and get Isaiah Simmons? They just don't have that much capital. They don't have a second-round pick this year. And then when Drew Brees retires after this season, they still have to eat like $20 million in dead cap hit for him next year. And then you have to pay yeah. Marshawn Lattimore, and you have to pay Ryan Ramchek, and you have to pay Marcus Williams, and you have to pay Alvin Kamara. Uh, you need some draft capital in the future to supplement your soon-to-be-very-expensive roster. So I don't think they should give away anything to trade up to get somebody because you are going to have to field a roster in the next few years, one that's relatively inexpensive. And if you can get Queen or Kenneth Murray in that spot for a position of desperate need, I think you have no choice but to get one of those two guys. Any other position, unless like Kinlaw falls, I've seen some mocks where he's falling. If he falls to 24, then you think about it. Otherwise, I think a linebacker is a a no-brainer choice at 24 there. You have in this mock draft from NFL.com, Brandon Ayuk going to New Orleans at 24, which to your point just a second ago, you don't think makes a ton of sense. He you just is don't out need it. Arizona you know what I mean? State. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota taking Christian Fulton out of LSU at 25. Cesar Ruiz uh, going to Miami at 26. He's a center. Uh, Green Bay trading up to get Kenneth Murray, the linebacker you menis- uh, mentioned a second ago at 27. Uh, Patriots trading up to 28 to get DeAndre Swift. Uh, Tennessee at 29, staying put, but taking Noah Igbenogany, the cornerback. Rippy, do you like that pick for uh, for Tennessee? Yeah, I think it makes sense. They waved a goodbye to a couple guys in their secondary from last year, so replenish there. I like it. Igbenogany was a uh, good player at Auburn. Seattle trading up to get uh, Daryl Taylor, a defensive end. 
San Francisco taking Austin Jackson on the offensive line at 31, so that would be San Francisco staying put. Uh, that uh, would be their second first-round pick, if it turns out to uh, be the case. And if San Francisco could add uh, a wide receiver and an offensive lineman in the first round this year, kind of feels like the rich getting richer, doesn't it? Just yeah, a little bit, yeah. That, but then you know, Kyle Shanahan's still calling play, so they'll win fourteen games and find a way to blow something in the playoffs, ignoring what the Saints have done lately. Um, what a team! And, though. Where's and, and by the way, Kansas City adding Trayvon Diggs with the final pick of the first round. If they pull that off, where's a weakness in San Francisco? I mean, some would Hunter. say quarterback. I don't know. See, it, exactly. He just took them to a Super Bowl. <laughs> it's a good roster, but still, you don't do that on accident. Yeah, there are not many weaknesses there. And and the question is, okay, at that point, who's more complete? Is it Kansas City or is it San Francisco? Kansas City. I think they're they're obviously better at quarterback. Yeah. So I think that puts them over the edge. Yeah, and I would say that would be the difference, right? I mean, the difference is one's got Mahomes and the other doesn't. To me, the thing that's going to be fascinating about these two teams, which one of them is built to keep the majority of the teams together for a longer period of time? Right. I mean, there's certain guys that you have to keep. You know, they're both really good at quarterback, although Mahomes is a differentiator, both great at tight ends, maybe both adding pieces at wide receiver, San Francisco, San Francisco's defense is better. Yeah, that's true. We'll see how it uh, we'll see how it unfolds tonight. That's uh, NFL.com. Peter Schrager's first round draft projection. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a quick timeout. Be back with you to wrap up the four o'clock hour. You know, smoke screen or not. Hey, Dad, do you think I'm crazy? I'm just buying every rumor that's out there, every tweet that comes from even a semi-reputable outlet, just buying it all hook, line, and sinker. I'll take the bait. It's that time of year, man. Get after it. No issue with that. 24-7 Sports Report. Lions GM Bob Quinn and Coach Matt Patricia at odds over who to take at the number three pick. That's not even a hot take. Come on. The Lions are having internal issues. Rippy's Lions are going to screw it up. Believe it. I think it's more so one of them doesn't want to take anyone. (laughs) No, I'm Uh, serious. I think they wanted to. The GM wants to trade it out of the pick, and the coach doesn't. Hmm. Diana Rusini from ESPN. I'd file this in the category as right on brand. I'm told the Texans have called some teams to trade up into the first round. Bill O'Brien never scared to make a trade. Matt Miller, who's an, uh, at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, responded, Hey, Dolphins, offer him 18-26 and 26 for Deshaun Watson. <laughs> <laughs> Never know what you might get with Bill O'Brien. Never, ever know what you might get with uh, Bill O'Brien. So Cowboys fans, I mentioned that Jerry Jones is going to be all by himself during the draft tonight and has told the scouting department to leave him alone. 
And Cowboys fans, really not taking it all that well. Which is kind of what you would expect, right? Right. I don't even want Mickey Loomis as brilliant as he is all by himself tonight. Well, the reason the Cowboys have been less dysfunctional the last, like, five years is because he's kind of gone away from I'm doing this my way and kind of let his son and others run the team as well. And they've actually been pretty competently run franchise. So this kind of reeks of, I don't know, early 2000s, Jerry. You think there's a chance he's going to take Des Bryant with his first-round pick tonight? No, but if he accidentally backs his way into like a Dak Prescott type at another position, he will 100% say he took credit for it, not that he wanted to draft someone else. This year, Jerry Jones will make the Cowboys pick from his home with no one else around, which means no one will be there to physically restrain him if it comes to that, and Jones joked that in the past it would have come to that. Quote, one of the things I'm not going to miss is when I came out of those draft rooms over the weekend, my old shins used to have big old bruises on them. That was from Steven kicking me under the table for three straight days relative to some of our decision-making. I know that we have a serious conference here, but I think I'm going to kind of miss that physical punching that goes on. Uh, goes on. I told him one time, I asked him where he got his strength when he was 16 years old. He had his uncle down about to kill him, choked him. He was a big boy, that uncle. And I said, I don't feel that when I'm wrestling with you. <laughs> he said, well, you don't the squeeze your daddy as hard as you can. Great. Go. <laughs> that point is, I'm going to miss a little of that punching around at the table as we're conducting this draft. <laughs> I wish I could do Jerry Jones' voice and reread all of that in Jerry Jones' voice. You should give it a He's- shot. He says there's not going to be anybody to physically constrain him. But I'm not going to miss having those bruises in my shins from my son kicking me under the table for three days. And oh yeah, when he was growing up, when he was about 16, my son could whip his uncle's rear end, but he never whipped me. And I asked him why, and he says, well, you don't squeeze your daddy quite as hard as you do your uncle. (laughs) Anyway, somebody bring me some shrimp cocktail. I got to make a pick. (laughs) We got any Johnny Walker blue label around here? Oh, man. I, I do hope, if you've ever done a fantasy draft, you know, like, at least one person in the group either forgets to pick or, like, drinks too much and they just fly off the handle. I wonder if there's one GM out there that has one too many. By the time it's time to pick, he, like, for, loses track of time and just goes, uh, oh, give me this guy. Oh, John, he was already taken. Oh, shoot. Okay, um, actually, no, here. And it just doesn't make any sense. What if the commissioner didn't actually make the picks? Like, announce the picks? What if there just was like, all right, countdown clock, five, four, three, two, one. With the next pick of the draft, Dallas Cowboys, here's Jerry Jones. shirtless because that's a scenario where you might actually pick somebody that's already been picked and then they cut to jerry and i mean he's got a button-up shirt he's like lost three buttons already and no pants on he we'll take joe burrow and he just goes boo boo roger mm. <laughs> 
Two hours in the books. College football fix is coming your way. We'll talk more draft in just a few minutes as well. It is Sports Talk Mississippi streaming with you, supertalk.fm, on this Thursday afternoon. We'll be right back. Well, less than two hours until the NFL draft begins. It was originally going to be in Brian Haydad's favorite city in the world. It's going to be in Las Vegas. It's a true story. They were going to put people on boats, carry them across the uh, water, and hope that the fountains didn't misfire and drench them along the way and then put them on stage. What a contrast this year. Virtual drafting, Jerry Jones sitting at home by himself, no pants, glad that he's not getting his shins kicked under the table, to last year where we had the most incredible images that have ever been associated with an NFL draft. The 250,000 or so people that were filling up Broadway for as far as you could see in every direction for the draft last year. How cool was that? It was cool for everybody but that bachelorette party. <laughs> that made it extra cool for me, though, because that was really, really funny stuff. That image is circulating today. The best part about that is uh, a friend of mine from high school was actually the reporter that, that did that story. She does TV reporting in Nashville now. It, it So seeing her story go viral anyway was pretty cool but that picture is floating around today of the two girls they're both blonde one's got the bride shirt on and she's got the most i'm going to kill you in your sleep stare on her face as she's looking at the camera when they took this picture it's perfect that's on the maid of honor in my opinion you know you got to be you're in charge of of logistics you've got to know what's going on how did you not scout that out it's a rookie move in my opinion it's a reasonable question. Uh, what are those those pedal bar things? You guys love those, don't you? They just seem so terrible. Like, why would you want to be drinking and, like, working to do it, you know? Hey, Dad, you love those things. Oh, yeah. When I, when I sit down for an ice-cold beer, the first thing I think of is, how can I do cardio while I'm drinking this? <laughs> you know... I, this beer is delicious, but man, I wish I was, you know, panting and sweating furiously while I drank it. If it's an ultra, could you make it like a negative carb experience? You could. You could. I'm, I'm getting healthy drinking this beer. What are you talking about? Hmm. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. It is time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix on draft night is brought to you by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You know how you'll figure it out, really, though? Get behind the wheel. Get behind the wheel of an F-150. You will figure out why for 43 consecutive years there have been more F-150s sold than any other brand of truck. You make that decision, you will not regret it. Um, Borky, Ralph Russo from the Associated Press tweets this, an NCAA note. There was some talk about delaying changing the transfer waiver 
to give all athletes access to a one-time exception so it goes into effect in 2021-22? Sounds like now that's likely going to happen and go into effect in 2020-2021. Full speed ahead. So what you're saying is you can transfer without penalty. think that's what I'm saying. We are never going back. Which is fine. I support that. Because if a coach can pick up and leave in the middle of the night, a player should be able to do the exact same thing. Especially if his circumstances change. I mean, maybe you could have added a caveat to ease your way into this. Like if your coach leaves. Something like that. Your primary recruiter um, lacks the rules on if like there's a sick family member or something like that. That could have bridged the gap to here. But now that we're here, you can't go back. But you can't have any exceptions beyond the one year, the one free transfer either. Nope. After that, then you make them sit out, for example. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't I, matter listen, if both parents get sick, does not matter. You, you yeah. have to sit out. I don't have a problem with I don't that. Mi- I don't mind you transferring and being eligible for a scholarship immediately if you transfer a second time. You don't have to go without having your school paid for. That's fair. But under no circumstance are you eligible to play immediately if you've already used your one free transfer. Won't it de-incentivize kids not to use, like, a double negative, won't it incentivize kids not to use it on stupid things like, I don't know, you see kids transfer for flippant reasons all the time, like not getting on the field immediately? Because you only get one of them, and what if it happens again? Tate Martell. That's a really good point. I mean, it and to me it'll de, de like it'll de incentivize kids from just quickly pulling the trigger on it because you get one, one freebie, maybe not, maybe kids don't need to. I don't know. That's a good point, and also I, I still go back to the the point that I bring up pretty much every time we have this conversation. If you think this is going to be open season, I think I think you're wrong. Yes, at times will a a guy like Quez Watkins, for example, who's going to get drafted this weekend from Southern Miss. Alabama could swoop in and say, hey, we need a wide receiver, although the recruiting tells you they don't. But, for example, come in and take a guy, Southern Miss's best player. Sure, that's going to happen pretty frequently. But these programs, Alabama, Ohio State, all these big-time programs, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, sign 25-ish guys a year. They don't have 10 spots to just go poach from the Southern Miss and Louisiana Techs of the world. They still are recruiting guys out of high school themselves. They have maybe a spot or two to work with. So if that does happen, and I don't think it'll happen all that often, and you already have the graduate transfer rule in place anyway, so by the time a guy blossoms, he probably already has a degree, I don't think there's going to be open season like some people do. Will some transfers, maybe even more, happen than you get right now? Absolutely. Will the Alabamas of the world take the Quez Watkinses of the world away from the Southern Misses of the world sometimes? Yeah, that'll happen too. But it's not a free-for-all. It's not going to be free agency because you're still recruiting kids and roster spots aren't really all that available. And and those don't, guys don't always want to transfer. I mean, yeah, you're just using Quez Watkins as an example, so we'll stick with that, right? Good player. Really good player at Southern Miss. Outstanding player at Southern Miss. Could he take an opportunity like this to not sit out, keep moving, maybe go play in the SEC? Sure. But Quez Watkins might like it in Hattiesburg. He might like his teammates. He might like his position coach. He might like his head coach. He might like playing at Southern Miss. 
and just say, yeah, I'm good. The same message I'm going to be loyal. People. Southern Miss is the program that gave me a chance coming out of high school. Alabama could have offered me out of high school. They didn't. Southern Miss did. They gave me a chance. They're paying for my education. I'm going to play here for another year, and then I'm going to be part of the NFL. Yeah, and to continue to use that example, I mean, he if if he would have been recruited after his sophomore year by a other big school, who's to say he would have caught a thousand, almost uh, twelve hundred yards last year? If he goes to There's, Alabama, for example, he's not catching twelve hundred yards worth of passes, and maybe the NFL doesn't even look at him. The same people on message boards and, and social media who are freaking out that Alabama or whoever's going to poach your players are the same ones talking about how awesome your university is. You know, the same people are saying, oh, there's so much to offer here, and we have a great school, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, Alabama might take – pick one. Pick a side. I don't care which one you go with, but pick one. There are a bunch of players out there, too. Yeah. There are enough players to go around. you got to do a great job evaluating. you got to do a great job selling them if you're able to get them on your campus. Sometimes you got to do more than that. Build a roster of players and you can win. If you don't have the best players, you're not going to win. Having a really, really, really good coach helps. But a good coach with bad players is just an okay coach. A good coach with really good players is a great coach. One other thing on the uh, college football fix front Borky, we uh, touched on this uh, earlier, what, Boise State furloughing a bunch of people? You don't think that's going to be the last university that does that? No, I don't think so. And I wanted to ask you guys what you think about this. So just to bring it back for a local example, Ole Miss is currently looking for a softball coach. There's not a whole lot of reporting on it, just that's the nature of the sport, but apparently they've been turned down a couple of times, but they're in the search for a softball coach. And there's a the, the softball Ole Miss fans that I have seen are not thrilled with the direction of the search right now, where maybe it could end up where they promote this interim to head coach or whatever. How long are the effects going to be from coronavirus on sports like softball? Because Ole Miss right now should not, and I don't think they will, break the bank on a new hire. So... These fans may not be pleased with whoever it is. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. But there's no reason to invest in a sport like softball right now because of the uncertainty with football. My question to you is, how long does something like this last? Or is it a permanent change of, we're never going to invest heavily in a sport that loses money because something like this may happen again? Try to answer that question when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, so the question that Borky put on the table as we were wrapping up the college football fix, kind of an offshoot from Boise State furloughing. We know that um, finances are going to be an issue for athletics departments all over the country. Even if we get the full college football season, you know, you've got less money coming from the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, The expectation is that ticket revenue, hopefully there is ticket revenue, but it's probably going to be less than it would have been otherwise. And so the, the question is with... Non-revenue sports, when you've got to go out and make a hire. Mississippi State just did that with women's basketball a couple of weeks ago. They are paying significantly less money 
than they would have been play, uh, paying Vic Schaefer. But hey, Dad, they didn't go out and make a bargain basement hire either. They went and got a really talented coach and are compensating her fairly. I mean, she's making, what, close to four times what she was making at, at Old Dominion. So she's being compensated fairly, but it's not a $2 million a year deal either. Right, and they're, they're not looking to reinvest that money into anything right off the bat either. So, I sure. mean, she got a very fair deal, no question about that. Very, you know, very commiserate with market value for a coach of her stature, but they're also not going to say, oh, by the way, we're, we're investing that into something else. Sort of like what they did with Mike Leach when they hired him. They said, oh, also, we're in- increasing our assistant pool. They're not, uh, to my knowledge, they're not doing that for the, for the women's basketball program. And, and more to your point on the softball search at Ole Miss, I, I know very little about it. I, I kind of think I kind of read probably some of the same stuff that uh, that you did. Uh, apparently, the uh, the coach at Louisiana Lafayette, uh, where they've got a really good women's softball program, said no. Uh, coach at UCF apparently said no, and I, I haven't heard anything with regard to the Minnesota coach. That's the the kind of the other name that was out there. And then Felix is the uh, was the interim head coach and was going to be the coach this year. Obviously, that season was cut short. Uh, my understanding is that's a guy that the players like a lot and seems to have done some really good things in his time at the program as well. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. But the overall question you was make, you were making is, you know, what kind of an investment are you willing to make in softball or golf or tennis or soccer or women's basketball? You know, whatever non-revenue sport in particular you're talking about. I mean... I kind of feel like the way Mississippi State approached it is probably the right way. You know, you're looking for somebody who is either successful as a head coach at a smaller school or somebody who is at a bigger school but's kind of in that up and comer category. You're not going out and finding. You're not going to go out and steal Alabama's head softball coach and pay him a million bucks. Right, right. I mean, what? Well, that's a, a, a that was a big discussion when uh, Nikki McCray Pinson was hired at Mississippi State. A lot of people were like, why didn't State go out and get a big name coach? I mean, name you can put maybe on one hand count the number of of any sport where a top ten coach leaves a top ten program to go to another top ten program. You just yeah. don't see it very often, you that know. Even very it, often. Yeah, in football, think about Texas. Texas wasn't a top ten program when they hired Tom Herman, but oh, I'm sorry, they were a they weren't a top ten in the rankings, but they're certainly a top ten program in terms of what they offer. But they had to go out and get a head coach who had been a head coach for all of what three seasons and been an offensive coordinator, but from that, and he was at, at a mid major program yeah. at Houston. Yeah, so I mean, you don't just go out and you know hire. You know, if if Flor- if Dan Mullen left Florida tomorrow, my guess is they're not going to just go say, okay, well, let's go get you know Jim Jim Harbaugh, go get a. Uh, Go get you know Nick Saban, something like that. That's just not how it works. And the follow-up, uh, I guess, to that would be how long does this last? Because, of course, especially with Title IX, you do have to keep facilities up to a certain degree, but are you going to see fewer down the road major stadium renovation projects for beach volleyball? Like LSU's got a really nice beach volleyball facility. I had no idea until the other day do you stop seeing those kind of investments in these sports forever because of things like this? And how long does a residual effect of this last? And part of the reason why these things happen are athletic departments need to spend all the money they make. A lot of them try to give off the illusion that they're, they don't make any money. 
and so they have to spend it somewhere. But how long does this last? I mean, the cat's out of the bag now, right? Everybody knows that football and various, like 95% is funded by football. Everybody knows that now. So does that change the way we think about how athletic departments need to be run? Well, what I I was going to... I was going to answer a different question than the one you're you're asking, but they're all kind of tied together. I think there's a chance that we see a little bit of a shift in the way money is spent in college athletics. Period. Maybe. I know athletics directors would like to kind of tap the brakes on some of these out of control salaries. And and I say, I I mean, out of control, I mean, you guys know I'm a capitalist. I mean, so, you know, you're you're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay you. I don't mean out of control and they're like, oh, they shouldn't be making that much money. But at some point, it doesn't really make a lot of fiscal sense. Right. I think the first contracts make sense. It's when guys are getting re-upped for no apparent reason. When guys get right, you know, when your school, you find out schools are basically bidding against themselves. That's when that's when things tend to get out of hand. I don't know if this applies or not, but I did see a clip floating around. I certainly don't watch TV news at night, but uh, uh, Tucker Carlson ripped on Michigan because they got some of the the bailout money, twenty million dollars or so. He said, and they're paying their football coach seven and a half million this year. Still going to lose to Ohio State. It's they, true. But yeah. yeah, I mean that's But they are champions of life. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. Oh, yeah. Michigan Michigan got the champions of life designation. They may never beat Ohio State, but they're winners off the field. Yeah, that's right. Because that matters. But it, that underscores your point though. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, it it's a big program that makes a ton of money. Of course. But is he worth seven and Look, a half million I mean, dollars a year? No. Right, let's, let's just let's just make what we're talking about local, though. I mean, so so you're talking sure. about Ole Miss athletics, right? Uh, with with yes. the softball coach, Ole Miss probably needs to do some upgrades to its softball facility. They're not going to until they have to. The, I mean, no no disrespect to anyone intended here, but it's just not at the top of the priority list right now. It generates no revenue. None, and you're coming out of a multi-year cycle where your cut from the SEC's postseason revenue was down. You're dealing with the economic uncertainty of a global pandemic, and you're just kind of trying to get your your sea legs back under you. You're not about to build a new softball stadium. Go spend two, three, five, ten million dollars. It's just not going to happen. The soccer facility is good. It's not the best in the country, it's going to have to be good for a while. Because, I mean, you'll do some some cosmetic upgrades here and there. I mean, maybe, maybe you, you budget for a, a $300,000 something, but there's not going to be a $3 million something or a $13 million something anytime soon for those programs. And they've done some really good things for... The, the smaller programs. I mean, obviously, football pays the bills. You've got a brand-new basketball arena. I mean, another major project to Swayze probably happens 
before you build a new softball stadium. And I'm sure there's somebody that'll be angry about that, but sorry. Well, and the revenue generator needs some some help. Yeah. In that department, so, anyway. Anyway. Uh, I, I don't know if that's exactly the road you were, were trying to go down, but, I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, the, the programs that generate the most re- – look, I had a women's college basketball coach who had been in the business for a really, really long time and could could very much um, have been like, oh, they need to give this to me. They get. She said to me, football should get everything it needs and everything it wants before anybody else gets anything. I thought, wow. It's coming from a head women's college basketball coach who gets it. Because she realized that a successful football program, cliche time, tide raises all boats. The more successful football is, the more women's basketball is going to get. The more successful football is, the more likely you are to get an improved softball stadium or a new softball stadium. The more successful football is, the more enrollment goes up and there's more money for everything on campus. Period. Period. I mean, great if you can have a, a good basketball program and have it operating in the black. Great if you can have a baseball program and have it operating in the black. You're talking about tiny percentage of your budget. A highly successful football program does more for the entire athletics department and the entire university than any other thing that you can possibly do. And frankly, it's time for more people to recognize that. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Be right back. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our good friend Luke Johnson, who is co-host of the Eagle Hour on Supertalk Hattiesburg and Supertalk Laurel, joins us once again this week. Luke, we got to quit meeting like this. we we got to talk when there's uh, nothing but good news to talk about. Pine Belt got popped again last night with uh, another pretty severe storm uh, what can you tell us about what uh, happened in Jones County? Well, um, a couple years ago, I preached through the Old Testament book of Jonah, and it's all about Jonah ran from the Lord, and so there was a big storm. So we are currently searching for the prophet Jonah in Jones County right now and trying to move him somewhere else. Um, it is pretty wild, guys. We got an alarm going off this morning. Uh, little after Hold on a second. Time out just for a second. In the end, things ended well with Jonah, though, right? He got right with God in the end. He did. Yeah, he got a little ticked at the end, but he learned a valuable lesson. Nineveh got taken care of. At the same time, yeah. we want Jonah to get where he needs to get because the storms need to leave Jones County. Uh, Jones County is no Nineveh. It's uh, It's been tough, man. Yeah, this morning, um, the wind woke me up a little before 4 o'clock, and uh, – Right at 4.15, everybody's phone lit up, and, you know, you heard the, the siren and stuff. And, uh, you know, right after that, the wind was, was so bad. And then I looked outside, and I've never really seen wind like that before. It kind of felt like it was straight-line wind. And then um, you start looking at Twitter feed, you start reading Weather Channel, and there was actually a tornado that was on the ground in North Jones County. So uh, when it got light, 
I got my truck and grabbed the chainsaw and came over to the community of Sharon, which is kind of uh, in North Jones County, almost on the Jasper County line. And uh, this was a community that, in when the tornado, the big one that I talked to you guys last week, this community probably provided over 2,000 meals for Soso and Hebron and Matthews. And, man, wow. it wasn't as wide. But when where it went through, I mean, it, it cut pine trees down, it cut oak trees down, and we spent uh, the great majority of the day cutting people out, and uh, lots of big equipment came in. And the good thing about it was, you know, people were already mobilized because of so-so. We were kind of winding that down yesterday. Um, still had some jobs to do. The man just literally, again, just like last week, the, the roads are lined with debris, but they're lined with, with bobcats and skidders and four-wheelers and and uh, tractors, and people have just been taking care of their neighbors. And, again, it's pretty remarkable to see. I'm assuming that you and uh, a lot of other people have become fairly proficient with chainsaws if you weren't already in the last week, huh? Yeah, I mean, you never want to you never want to cut a log bad where the guy behind the tractor is going to make fun of you because you got limbs sticking out. So uh, you try to serve that dude pretty well. But, yeah, I mean, whether it's a husky or a steel, you get pretty proficient with it. Um, but, you know, the first guy I got through today is a good buddy of mine. He teaches uh, elementary school at some schools in Jones County, and he had a, a big oak leaning on his shop. He had another oak leaning on his house and about five pine trees before we could do anything with anything else. And, you know, it's just you, you feel you feel mentally exhausted um, from the coordinating and, and remembering addresses and writing things down and checking with people. You're physically exhausted. Um, but at the end of the day, you just look around and you see how people have mobilized and how people are taking care of each other, and it's just amazing to see. Luke, I asked you the question last week. I'll ask it again. Uh, obviously, uh, there are a lot of resources that have gone into that part of the state of Mississippi in, uh, in recent weeks. The, the good news is we've gotten the disaster declaration, so there's some financial help that is coming uh, from the federal government. But in terms of immediate help for people that are able or are interested in helping, what's the best way to go about that? So two ways financially. Um, last week when I talked to you, um, my people, and what I mean by that, the people that I'm staging with, the Jones County Baptist Association, we have a fund set up on Facebook, Jones County Baptist Association, um, and it's just it goes to all disaster relief. My church, First Baptist Church Ellisville, People can go online to firstbaptistellisville.com and click give, and then just memo their gift to tornado relief. And that's, that's buying strips, um, nails, chainsaw gas, we're tarping roofs, um, we're feeding, you know, volunteers and homeowners. I, there was probably, man, when we wrapped up numbers, um, this past week of what we did for the SoSo tornado, just in our staging area, I think we gave out over 6,000 meals. So all of that goes into it. And 100% of it goes to help these people. So those are your, your two options. And, I mean, there's plenty of others. You know, people know there's a lot of charities out there. I just know that's what we're seeing, com or the Jones County Baptist Association. And 100% of it is going to people in need. And, Luke, I know we talked last week about people reaching out. Uh, Farm Bureau is a, uh, a big supporter of this show, a great partner that we've had. And uh, when, when I talked with Henry, he said that uh, you know they were kind of mobilizing from a feeding standpoint, trying to help there uh, in and around Soso and in Jones County and that part of the state. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done, and there are a lot of people that are doing a lot of good. They really are. Um, and if you want to come in on the outside, that's what's been so amazing. We talked Cajun Navy last week. We talked to other people last week. But, man, today, 
you know, there were a few volunteers that were sticking around because they'd come in for the so-so storm. But, man, in this community, everybody just kind of went to their shed, got their tractors out, you pulled your buddy out, and then you got after it. And you would just go to your neighbor's house, your neighbor's house, you know, your neighbor's house. But if anybody wants to volunteer, we do. We are still in need of some heavy equipment. There's still some jobs in the affected communities in Jones County um, and this new community of Sharon, so four total communities in Jones County. People can call this number, 601-577-0680-601-577-0680, and that is our volunteer line. You can just tell us what you got equipment-wise. Um, you know, if you got a, a, an excavator, if you got a skidder, if you got a, a tractor with a grapple, and when you want to come in so that we can have jobs waiting for you. So 601-577-0680, and uh, we would love for you to volunteer this weekend. Luke, know you're doing uh, a lot of work and carrying a heavy load right now. We really appreciate you uh, spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Hope you will pass along our best to uh, all of those affected in the Pine Belt, specifically there in Jones County where you are and. uh Look forward to talking to you under better circumstances soon, my friend. I appreciate it. I want the Saints to take Justin Jefferson tonight. I want a wide receiver. Borky thinks that a wide receiver is not the way to go, but I kind of like where you're thinking there. Well, he's Borky. Y'all have a great day. I appreciate it. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Luke. Ouch. He's Borky. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Luke Johnson. He's co-host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk Hattiesburg, Super Talk Laurel. Uh, those communities in that part of the state of Mississippi have just been punched in the mouth over and over and over. Uh, he mentioned the uh, Jones County Baptist Association. You can go to their Facebook page, find out more, donate there. You can go to firstbaptistellisville.com. And again, if you've got heavy equipment, maybe you're in a different part of the state. Uh, maybe you're in the Jackson metro area. Maybe you're in north Mississippi, east central Mississippi. Maybe you're in the Delta, and you just kind of have a heart for helping, and you've got some heavy equipment. Again, the number for you to call the volunteer helpline is 601-577-0680. 601-577-0680. You can call them and say, look, I, I, I've got a tractor with a grapple and I can help move logs on the front of it. Uh, I, I've got a tractor, all I've got is a front end loader on it, but uh, you know, can, can be of service. I, I've got a skid steer that's got uh, a mulcher attachment on it or... I got three chainsaws, and I got two sons who are ready to work. How can we help? If you'll call them, 601-577-0680. That's the volunteer uh, coordination line, 601-577-0680. They will absolutely put you to work, and uh, certainly you would be doing good for your fellow Mississippians. Man, they've had a mess. That is tough. But not knocked out. You said punch in the mouth, but not knocked out. It's uh, absolutely a uh, a good sentiment there. Uh, again, that uh, the church website firstbaptistellisville dot uh, com. You can go there and click on give, and then uh, just uh, specify that your donation is for uh, tornado relief efforts, and uh, it will go to a uh, a good cause.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.